This is Toastcaster, the communication leadership and learning lab with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 145, Podcasting 101, Hosting and Interview Techniques, a 2018 live educational Toastmasters presentation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the subject of podcasting. Now, when I first started 15 years ago, people would often ask, what's a podcast? Five years ago, they would say, are you still doing podcasting? Isn't video going to be taking over? Aren't podcasts going to go to the way of the radio, the way of the dodo bird? But today, more often than not, I'm asked, how can I get started in a podcast? What are the benefits of podcasting, etc., etc.? Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes, has over a million podcasts in its directory, and that was as of April of 2020. With the pandemic and the lockdown, that number is probably getting closer to 1.5 million. So podcasting really isn't going away anytime soon. The reality is people want to know more about podcasts, and I keep getting questioned every single day. Now, as luck would have it, I recently came across a recording from 2018 of a podcast educational session that I delivered to a group of Toastmasters. Ironically, it was a last-minute request, and I record all my presentations so that I can go back and I can review them, see what I did well, see where I can improve. This podcast covers a lot of those questions and a lot more. Now, podcasting, yes, it has evolved in the last couple of years, and it continues to evolve But what you're going to hear today is still relevant. I also want to point out that this episode is not just for Toastmasters, but it's really for any communicator, for any leader, for anyone who is really interested in the topic. If you check out the show notes, in addition to the audio recording, you'll be able to download a PDF. So sit back and enjoy, and let's take a trip back in time. So please welcome Greg as our Good afternoon and welcome everyone. How many of you are munching on those donuts? I figured you'll be probably wired. Some of you might be ready for a snooze. (laughs) And the rest of you, you're here to listen to me talk a little bit about podcasting, hosting, and interview techniques. Now, is there anybody here who is not familiar with podcast or podcasting? Anyone? Did you know that the word podcast came from a combination of iPod and broadcast? In essence, it's basically an internet radio show that you can download from the internet, you can stream through iTunes or, or Google Play. It's a sort of a radio type show. Now you might wonder, what are some of the things that you can do with podcasts? No, you can't actually touch them in your hand, but you can listen to them, you can participate in them, and you can also create them. I love to listen to podcasts because I can learn lots of great things. You can learn things, you can be fairly entertained. But also, I'm one of these guys that eats lots of donuts. I have my Fitbit, so I want to make sure I get my 10,000 steps in every day. Hi, Marta. So therefore, I also use it as an encouragement to do a lot of walking around. So you can listen to them. You can also participate in them. If you participate, perhaps you can be a guest on someone's show, and you can show off your expertise. Maybe you can talk to them about Toastmasters. It's also a great way to practice some of your speaking skills. Or what you can do is you can create your own. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. Now, just to let you know, it's not going to be highly technical. This is Toastmasters, so it is going to focus on the communication aspect. When you do a podcast, you can do it for yourself. I know some people that record their own ramblings like a personal diary, never to be heard by anyone except for their cat. 
if you want to do a podcast, we hopefully want people to hear about it. Especially since we're Toastmasters, we also probably want to get evaluated. So you can do one for yourself. You can do it for your club. Right? It's a great way to do testimonials. It's a great way to put people's speeches online as well. And also, you can also use it for business. So perhaps you want to promote your business. So again, what you're going to hear today could be used not just in Toastmasters, but it could actually be used out in the real world as well. Here's three examples of podcasts that I did. And I wanted to bring them up just to show the diversity in the podcast. Do you see the voting? This is from International Convention. I think it's 2010, 2011. Third vice president. The difference? Four votes out of 11,000. Any statisticians here? They ended up doing a recount. So this podcast we did was talking about the importance of making sure that you make your club vote count. Very, very important that you get your proxy in or you attend the convention. The second one, of course, is gadget-related. Record360 had an opportunity to interview the president. If you rent a car, for example, you can record ahead of time. It goes up into the cloud into a secure location. And afterwards, if they say, hey, look at that dent. You did that? They'll say, no, I didn't. And here's the proof. And then the third one, some of you may recognize this gentleman. His name is Rick Lauber, and he's written a book called Caregiver's Guide for Canadians. He was also previously with New Entrepreneurs. And he talked about how Toastmasters has helped him as an author and some of the tips and tricks for people who want to be authors and how Toastmasters can help them. I'm going to ask out there, who here listens to podcasts? Cool. What are some of the podcasts that you listen to that you like? Anyone? I especially like CBC has a program called Podcast Playlist, and they just have random different ones on and uh, listen to anything. Excellent. Super. Anyone else? Mark? I listen to Postmaster Podcast and Postcast. Oh, you do? Okay. I was going to ask if that was your favorite podcast. <laughs> Marta? I listen to you. You listen to me. Remember that. She listens to me very rarely. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Any others besides mine? Yes? Sheila Rogers on the CBC and a number of other book-related ones. Okay, that's great. There are tens of thousands of podcasts out there. For those of you who aren't familiar, Toastmasters podcast is a product of Toastmasters International, and I am honored to be one of the three co-hosts, along with Bo Bennett, who is the original creator of the Free Toast Host, and Ryan Levesque. Typically, that podcast... The podcasts that we do usually stem from the Toastmaster magazine or things that come from international. That's what, that's what that one's usually about. There are currently 131 episodes, and we just uploaded part two of, the, of speaking with the, three, the last three of the six accredited speakers, the speakers that were accredited at the international convention. And of course, Toastcaster podcast, interestingly enough, anyone here has done a high-performance leadership project? You're doing it now. Well, this was mine. Back in 2006, I thought... I'm a gadget guy, I need an excuse to make to do a podcast, and so I created the Toastcaster as part of my high-performance leadership project, and of course, still going, we've got about 90 episodes, just surpassing 2 million feed hits and 200,000 downloads, and, and keep going, so thank you very much for all of you who keep listening. But the whole idea here is to try to make sure that you get value out of the content. You can also catch both of these, both on iTunes and Google Play as well. So there's my, there's my little plug. Now, of course, we have to have objectives for our presentations for our educational. So, of course, here are our objectives. We're going to offer you some tips and tricks in terms of creating a podcast. The benefits of podcasting, that's something that we just talked about in terms of listening, participating, and creating. Preparing some effective questions. We'll talk a little bit about questioning and some interview techniques. 
With these techniques that you're going to hear today, I'm focusing on podcasts, but they can be used for job interviews. It can be used for if you're interviewing someone, if you're, doing a, a, if you're planning a business, or if, if you're writing an article. There's all kinds of ways that you could use interviews. Now, some of the things that you want to do even before you start to do any recording whatsoever. Whenever you watch a one-hour television show, you see that one hour, well, 40 minutes of finished product. The rest is commercials, right? <laughs> There's a lot of preparation that went into it. And just like a speech, just like a movie or TV show, a lot of preparation goes into creating your podcast. So things that you want to do even before you start. How many of you have plans to create your own, your own podcast? Okay, got a few, great. So one of the things you want to think about is, is it going to be a one-time only? Because some people will do a one-time one just for a particular event. Just to let you know, there'll be a link at the end so that you can download all these. You don't have to write them all down. You want to ask yourself how many you're going to do and how often. Okay? I did a session once before and someone said, you know what, I can talk really good. I'm going to do a podcast every week. I'm just going to sit down at my desk and I'm going to record on my computer. And well, he kind of did that for a couple of weeks and then it just died off. If you want to build an audience, what you want to do is you want to try to plan how often you're going to do it. Hosting, we're not going to talk too much about the technical side of, of hosting. Most people will listen to your podcast streaming either through iTunes or Google Play. Now, one thing you may or may not know is that the podcast itself doesn't sit at iTunes or Google Play. It's basically a listing. And so when you go to iTunes and you say, I want to listen to this episode of the Toastcaster podcast, it goes to wherever it's housed and then pulls it up. So it's streaming. So if you have a basic service on your website and you get a really popular podcast, your service provider may not be able to handle it and therefore you might want to find yourself a dedicated host. I use a service called Podbean. The one that I use is $100 US a year. It's fairly inexpensive. There are places that are free and there are places maybe for three or $4 a month. Subject and a name, what are you going to talk about? Like what is your topic going to be? And what kind of name, what are you going to call it? Because here's the thing, if you want to build an audience and you want to have multiple shows, you can't really, you don't really want to change your name every week. Especially if you've got a great domain name like toastcaster.com, which I was lucky to, lucky to get. The whole idea, you also want to be able to take advantage of the search engine optimization as well. So try to see, think about, I mean, don't spend two years thinking about it, but try to come up with a name that you think will probably stick for a while. You also want to ask yourself, are you going to do this by yourself? Are you going to have a host or are you going to have a co-host? Because someone asked, me, one, someone asked me a question once, does a podcast have to have a guest? Because most of the podcasts that they had listened to had guests. And I said, no, it's anything that you want. It's whatever you want. You can either get a host or you can decide if you want to have a co-host. Fun dynamic if you have multiple co-hosts. With the Toastmasters International podcast, the protocol is typically, if we can, it's two hosts and one guest. Or if, we, if both of us are not available, then it's usually one and one. Most of you recognize that gentleman over there? Dananjaya, that's right, Dananjaya Hediarachi. He was the keynote speaker, I believe, at the Prince Albert Fall Conference. Well, I had the wonderful opportunity with Ryan of interviewing him for a podcast. Now, I live in Edmonton. Ryan lives in Massachusetts. Where does Dananjaya live? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Guess who had to get up at 4.30 in the morning? <laughs> It just happened to work out that way. So scheduling is also a consideration if you're doing a podcast, especially if you're trying to get people to come onto your show that, who live in various places. It was interesting because when we interviewed him, it was, they, he was having torrential rainstorms that were so bad that you could actually, if you listen carefully, you could actually pick it up on the recording. I tried to filter some of it out, but it didn't all come out. Yes? 
a hosting or a service provider. Service provider that might be providing a service like Podbean or Amazon S3. There are a number of places. If you say, if you type in podcast hosts, then you'll probably find it. Yes, absolutely. I like it. I've had no issues with them. So it works fairly well. I've been using them for a number of years. Okay, again, before you hit record, you also want to ask yourself, how are you going to record it? Some of the logistics, right? If you think about doing a live recording, for example, here, you need to think about the fact that there's going to be sessions coming and going. So you have to be able to have time to set up all your equipment, right? Also, once we were doing an interview live and in the next room, they were doing construction. So those are things you need to consideration. Are you doing it virtual, by phone, or by computer? Those are things that you want to take into consideration. And those are different ways that you can do it. I quite often will do them by phone and record the call or do it over, over the computer. Now, let's say you want to go solo. You want to do your own thing. The great thing about doing your own thing is that you could do it at 2 o'clock in the morning in your pajamas, just you and your cat, as long as not you're not disturbing your neighbors. And you also might want to do it when you have the most energy. Some people have energy early in the morning. Some it's in the afternoon. So it's really up to you because at the end of the day, you want to be able to produce the best quality recording that you can. Now, again, I mentioned it doesn't have to be interviews. We'll talk about interviews. But some of the things that you can do is you can just tell a story if that's something that you want to do. You can even read a story and create almost some kind of audio book. And there's a couple that I listen to now. Of course, the names elude me. Or it's someone just retelling stories of his life, but it's in a narrative. It's almost like you're, you're reading a book. I've seen conversations where someone is having that sort of late night show where the host is talking into the microphone and it's almost like he's talking to you one-on-one. -on -one. So those are some ideas. I also like to take speeches and turn them into podcasts. I mean, those are the easy. That's the low-hanging fruit. If you're giving a speech in your class, just record it. Toastcaster number, I think it's number 10. It's called Toastmasters for the Holidays. I wanted to try to encourage people to visit clubs when they went on holidays. So what I did is I visited three places. I, told, I gave a speech about it. And then what I did is I recorded it on my phone. Then I took it home, went into my audio recording. I added a beginning, a little bit of music, and then at the end. And then I put it up as a podcast. So you can do something that's pre-recorded. You can create an educational, or you can repurpose content. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't know what subject to use, or what, thing, when, what are some of the things I should use, and things that you've already done. So for example, last April, we had an April Fool's meeting, and I was the Toastmaster. So I did a little research on the origin of April Fool's Day. And it turned out to be about a three or four minute introduction. So when I went home, I thought, this is really cool. So I looked up some more. I thought, you know what? I'm going to write an article on this. So I wrote an article, got the article published, and then I turned the article into a podcast. Any material that you have, the gentleman here is a writer. You can take some of the material that you have for your magazine, if you're allowed to reuse the content, and you can create a podcast out of it. What's the difference between recording your podcast in your basement in front of a microphone and doing a speech in front of your club? No facial feedback. No facial feedback? People can't see you. So if they can't see you, then what do you need to do? Use your voice. Yes, absolutely. Remember your competent communicator manual. Use your voice. Create imagery in your mind because they can't see you. You have to make up for it because you want to be able to show again, show that passion. Unless you're writing, reading a story that's going to sound like this. Hey. How many people believe that you can hear people gesturing over the phone? And I've seen people do podcasts where they've got the wired mic and they're up and they're moving around and they're doing it. If that works for you, great. Vocal variety. You also want to articulate. Very, very important in podcasting. Sometimes I'll have guests on that speak about it. Someone like Dananjaya, you need to pronounce his name. Dananjaya Hetirachi. 
Because if someone who's listening to it, if there are no written notes to go along with it, want to be able to know what that person's name is. Try to avoid jargon and acronyms. I happened to be going through different places online and I found an online radio station and there were these two people that were being interviewed about Toastmasters. I thought, this is great. It's great PR for Toastmasters. But they're talking CCs and ACs and DCPs and it's like, oh, good grief. The people listening are not going to have an idea. Right? And sometimes you might get the acronym wrong. could mean something totally different. A number of years ago, I was, a I was a member of the Digital Media Association of Alberta and I was the Alberta representative for the Canadian Interactive Alliance. What's that acronym? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can get, certainly get confused. And also, it's probably not a bad idea to spell certain things out. Not every single word, but if someone's web address is something center, right? In Canada, it might be C-E-N-T-R-E, but in the U.S., it's E-R. So just spell it out for them. And sometimes, I mean, people, people can rewind and listen to it, but it also might not be a bad idea for things like phone numbers to repeat them. Just repeat those phone numbers, right? Just like that, 1-800, buy it now. Okay, so you can go solo, but what I really love is I love the interviews. I love interviewing people, and I think there's no one here that will disagree with me the fact that it is absolutely phenomenal practice for practicing your speeches. It also gives you an opportunity, depending on who you're talking to, to learn things one-on-one -on -one from an experienced person. This is Cheryl Rouse. Some of you may recognize her. She is an accredited speaker and just a wealth of knowledge and an incredibly bubbly individual. Talking to her, you can learn some great things. Now, what you might hear is a 15 to 20 minute conversation that's recorded, but there are also other things that you can talk about as well. If you're interviewing someone, you also have an opportunity one-on-one -on -one to ask those deep questions that you want to find out about. So it's a great way to do that. Now, one thing about interviews is that you're forced to prepare. How many of you have gone to your meetings and you've given your speeches and you go, well, I kind of written it, I wrote it in the car and I just kind of winged it. Anyone here? Oh, I'm sure most people would probably put their hands up. The reality here is that after your speech is done, that's it, you're done, right? You got your evaluation, you passed, you got your check mark, but if it's online, if it's on the internet, it's there forever. I heard a good one the other day. What happens in Vegas stays on YouTube. <laughs> You're, so you're forced to prepare, plus if I'm speaking with Cheryl and I'm not prepared, that's not going to make me look very good. Because then they will say, well, okay, I'm never going to come back again. And it also keeps you focused, knowing that you only have a certain amount of time. What I also found is doing, these inter doing interviews has also helped me prepare for my speeches. Where can you find guests? Where's a good place to find guests? Where do you think? Anyone? Any guesses? In this room. In this room? Yeah, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, anywhere else? Everywhere. Besides everywhere. Can you be more specific? <laughs> Uh, conferences. Conferences? Twitter. Twitter, absolutely. Social media? Guests are everywhere. Friends, experts, social media, magazines. This lady is Kristen Arnold. She's an expert in moderating a panel. I'll mention her in a few minutes. I'm very interested in moderating a panel, so interviewing her was really, really exciting. Plus, I had a lot of really interesting questions to ask her. Darren Tay, I think, is a 2016 world champ. He's the guy that put his underwear on over his, over his suit. This guy, I don't know who he is. Peter Kosowin, Toastmaster Magazine. And the interesting thing is there's a lot, as someone already said, there's some pretty cool people already. This guy looks familiar. Is that you over there? Oh, there he is. Okay. <laughs> there are phenomenal people just within our district. We interviewed Glenda Sheard as being a district social media manager. What's interesting about it is that Glenda has experience in radio, and last year when we did a similar presentation at the convention, 
when we asked about her experience, she was actually scared when she first started because recording a podcast is a lot different than, than radio. And she learned a lot from the process. Mark, of course, we had a chat about employer resources for developing leaders. Is that similar to your presentation that you did today? No. No, it's different. Well, there you go. What was this one about in 10 seconds? It was about how we can market uh, Toastmasters to businesses to encourage employers to sponsor their employees from everywhere. Thank you very much. So everyone should know about that. So listen to that particular podcast. So there's some great resources just here in our district. I recommend that you take advantage of that. Yes? Do you send them all your questions before the interview? We'll get to that in a moment, and the answer is sometimes. But that's actually a very, very, very good question. One of the things that you might want to do is, since Mark's here, after the session, you could probably corner him and ask him what it was like to do a podcast. What did he learn from it? You know, what are some of the takeaways? So I encourage you to, to reach out to both these individuals or anybody that perhaps has been on a podcast if you're not really necessarily sure where to, where to start. Wayne Gretzky once said, you won't score on 100% of the shots you don't take. You remember that? So I kind of turned it into, if you want to interview someone who doesn't know you, you'll likely never get to interview them unless you ask. Sometimes you just ask. If you ask, it's amazing that they might say yes. Marta asked President Mohammed Murad if he would be willing to have an interview. Yes. yes, and he said yes. Even though he was a busy guy, he said yes, and actually we featured it on the Toastcaster podcast as well. Okay, so you've asked this person, or perhaps you're trying to figure out a way of connecting, because you know that's a little bit of a fear, is trying to approach that person. What do I do? What do I say? First thing you want to do is you want to introduce yourself. If you're going to connect with someone, try to find out where they live in terms of where they hang out. Is it on Facebook? Is it on Twitter? If it's a professional, quite often they'll have a website. Find a way of connecting with them through how they want to be connected. How do you call me? You want to introduce yourself, right? Hi, I'm Greg Gazin. Here's the real key. When you're introducing yourself and you're sending that connection, offer them the motivation as to why you're connecting with them. I read your book and it was very inspiring. I want to share this with my audience or, or whatever you have to say. Very, very important because that can actually make a difference between whether they even take your call or even return your email. Does anyone recognize that fellow up there? If you're a devote Beatle fan. Yes, you recognize him? Papoon. You know, someone else told me that too. No, he looks like Papoon, doesn't he? It's actually, his name is Red Robinson, and he is a famous DJ who just recently retired. And he's interviewed the likes of, of Buddy Holly, Elvis, and the Beatles in Vancouver. Now, a number of years ago, and I know you're going to chuckle, for those of you who don't know me, I managed the Beatles tribute band. We had an opportunity to do a, a gig at the PE, which was the old site of the Empire Stadium where the Beatles played, one day shy of 40 years that the Beatles were there. Got a hold of Red Robinson. I had enough courage to call him up or contact with him, and I said, would you be willing to introduce the band as you introduced the Beatles back in 1964? And he said, yes. I thought, wow, this is so cool, because there's a great story behind it. And I'll get to that in, in a second. Ten years later, for the 50th anniversary, they were doing a different show with a different group, but he also was releasing a book. So I thought, I'm going to get a hold of him and say, would you, hey, do you remember me? I'd like you to be on my podcast, and I want you to share that experience that happened in 1964 with the Beatles. And he said, sure. <coughs> Gee, how time flies. <laughs> what happened was the Beatles were playing in Vancouver. Now, if you think that the soccer fans in the UK are rowdy, <laughs> what about 15,000 girls in 1964 with the Beatles on the stage? It was so bad that Brian Epstein, who was the manager of the Beatles, said to Red Robinson, you get up on that stage and you quiet down the audience. So he gets up on the stage. Immediately, John Lennon turns to him and said, 
get off my bleeping stage. So of course, Red looks, looks at Brian, looks at John, he nods, everything's good. So everything was great. Well, maybe not so, because the people were so rowdy that the Beatles left after playing for 22 minutes. Now, their concerts weren't that long to begin with. Not only, they didn't go back to their hotel, they went right to Los Angeles, and the next day they played at the Hollywood Bowl, and of course there was an album called The Beatles Live at the Hollywood Bowl. So that was that big story. I even managed to write an article about that story for a Beatles specialty magazine. So again, called this guy up, very famous person, and just said, hey, can you do it? He said, yes, I appeal to him. Answer that, what's in it for me? Try to make sure there's something in it for the individual. They might be promoting a book, they might be on tour. Try to find something that's of value. And when I speak to people, I let them know, you know what? It's okay if you want to plug something. Obviously, you don't do the heavy-duty sales pitch, but the soft pitch is actually okay. You want to alert them on the timing and the format and the scheduling. So you want to let them know, because they're going to say, well, how long is this going to take? You say, okay, I want to have about 15 to 20 minutes of a finished podcast. Might need 30 or 40 minutes of your time. What kind of format, as you were asking? Quite often, it's just a conversation. But it could be, it could be just a conversation. It could be a Q&A. Sometimes people will ask for questions ahead of time. But there's also a downside to that, because there is a, whose name just eludes me right now, he asked for questions ahead of time, and he answered them all in the first four minutes of our conversation. So of course, then we had to stop, and we had to sort of regroup, and we, we actually made it work. We had a really good chuckle about it, but we try not to, because it, it makes it less spontaneous, lots intuitive. But I mean, if that's what they require, then that's fine. There's some organizations that it has to go through three levels before they'll even approve the questions. And then you want to try to get them to ask if they have a microphone and a headset or something. Because the tendency is just to use the laptop microphone and the speakers. The problem there is that you're going to get noise and feedback. Plus, you'll also get the fan noise. Again, you, don't, you want to make sure you have a better, a best recording as possible. So that's what happens when you're, when you're connecting with them. So now it's time. You're getting pretty close. You want to make sure that you have a smooth start. And so what you'll do is you'll get them on the phone. So let's say we're just going to do this by phone. And you want to try to make sure you want to gauge their comfort level. We've interviewed authors, for example, that do no public speaking or have never done any public speaking. And of course, we encourage them to look at their local Toastmaster club. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, there have been professional speakers who will give these phenomenal presentations from the platform in front of five or 10,000 people. But one-on-one, -on -one, with a microphone in front of their face, they'll like hesitate. They don't do great at the impromptu. We had one individual that was nervous. And I said, you're nervous? I, I'm nervous speaking to you. <laughs> and it's amazing. And they'll even say, was that OK? I didn't sound stupid. Because they're very worried about sounding stupid. You know, when you're very, very successful, people will poke fun at you whether you make a mistake or not. But the reality is, it's like he was worried about that. And for me, that was, that was the last of my worst. Do you want to gauge their comfort level? Now, a technique to help them feel a little bit more comfortable is what you do is once you get them on the line, you just start talking to them. Hi, how's it going? You know, how are the kids? What's the weather like? Just engage in that little bit of conversation. Then you hit the record button, and there's a reason for doing that. You engage in conversation a little bit and just say, okay, you know, let's, are, you, are you good to go? And they don't realize it, that you've already started the conversation. And it's amazing how it works. You want to offer up some do's and don'ts. So some of the things you might want them to do is to make sure that, like in the wintertime, Turn the furnace off if you have to for half an hour. You just may have to, but just remember to turn it on. Have them staying at a certain distance from the microphone at all times. Try not to be on the keyboard or rustle paper or turn off your notifications on your computer. Little, little things like that. 
Yes. But if something happens during the conversation, you can stop and re restart. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say next, is that if perchance they say something, we had one individual that said, oh, I can't tell you that. That's confidential information. It's not available to the public yet. You know, can you take that out? Fine. Or someone might be responding to a question. They go, you know, I don't like that answer. Can I stop and start again? Absolutely. The only thing that we ask of them is that they pause. How many of you are knowledgeable or know about Lance Miller, 2005 World Champion Public Speaking? Phenomenal guy. In fact, a number of the podcasts we've done with him have been quite lengthy, 40, 45 minutes. Great speaker, always willing to help out. I think he's even done live webinars remotely to help districts. He speaks very, very fast. His pause is like a microsecond. <laughs> and the whole idea, though, is we want to make sure that when we're editing the final copy that it sounds it's got good quality. So you want to just say, you know what, just if you're going to restart again, and I'm even guilty of it myself, I'll say something, I'll just try to back up and I'll keep talking. Try to make sure that you just pause just for a second. The other thing you want to do is you want to try to get your speakers or your guests to, to be natural. We had one individual that had asked for the questions ahead of time. She prepared the narrative for all of her questions and it was really obvious that she was reading them. So what you do there, and it was, I mean, what she was saying was great, but I just felt it just sounded kind of just not natural enough. So the next time something came up, I said, okay, well, what do you think about that? Or how does that make you feel? You can't really script that. Unless, of course, you tell them in advance, you're going to ask them how they feel. But then the natural, the natural voice just came out, and it was incredible. Set the tone. You as a host have an opportunity to really, really set that tone. And even if you're speaking to someone who is very high in stature or someone that you're just like, wow, I have, I, I'm so glad that I got to speak to this person. I never thought in a million years I would be able to do it. You're the lead. You are leading, and you could actually set the tone. It'll actually make a huge difference. So now we're going to get to some of the questions. What I like to do is I like to avoid surprises for my guests. Now, I was actually on, it was Help TV, it was Channel, Channel 9, Shaw Cable, and they were interviewing me about gadgets, about DVDs online, and we were talking. Now at that time, for those of you who remember CDs, the government had imposed a 25 cent tax on the CD. Halfway through our conversation, the moderator switched gears and started asking me about this tax. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, but I wasn't prepared for it, and I really wasn't that comfortable talking about it. I try to avoid the surprises as best as I can. If there's something very touchy to talk about, I'll ask ahead of time whether they're okay talking about it. I interviewed a gentleman named Greg Van Borsum, and he was on the cover of, I think it might have been the December 2015 Toastmaster magazine. And this gentleman was a gun shooter, and he was like a bodybuilder, did a lot of phenomenal things. He was also the dance coordinator for Happy Feet, the movie, you know the... He also worked on Mad Max Fury Road, and I spoke to him before the movie actually came out. But there was a 15-year gap between the original Mad Max movie and Mad Max Fury Road, and at that time, his life was in turmoil. And in the magazine, he talked about thinking about taking his own life. When I interviewed him, I talked to him ahead of time, asking him whether or not he would be comfortable talking about this. And he said yes. And the whole idea is I was trying to get him to weave slowly into it. I'm not going to say, well, I heard you kind of wanted to take your life. Well, I mean, it sounds funny, but it's not something that you'd want to do. As it turned out, he forgot to mention it. So I stopped the recording and I said, are you still okay? Have you, have you had a change of thought? He says, oh no, I just forgot about it because I have so many things I want to tell you. Again, try to avoid those surprises. Ask ahead of time. And I think someone might even suggest how, how it can be worded so that you're not offending. But people want to hear about that. That's stuff that's really, really, really important. That also relates to maintaining the mystery. Sometimes up front you'll introduce an individual 
and you'll tell about some of the great things that they've done, but if there might be one or two things that you'd rather them say than you, I think it has more impact if your guest says it than if you say it. So you try to try to maintain that mystery. The other thing is you want to try to focus on the outcome. When you were recording this, when you contacted this person, what was it that you wanted people to leave with? Like what was the objectives, what was the outcome? We've had a few people kind of go off on different tangents, and that's sometimes okay. But if you're not sure where the conversation is going, always go back and think about what the outcome is. You want to make sure that the, the questions are open-ended. That's the same with table topics, right? You don't want to end up with one-word answers. That makes it more interesting. You also sometimes want to ask for understanding. You may talk to someone that already has their speech prepared or their answers prepared. We interviewed Kristen Arnold in moderating a panel. Great lady, phenomenal. She's really focused in on the process about moderating a panel, a lot of the nuggets and nuts and bolts. And I thought that was really good. But for me, I was thinking, well, what, what would my audience want to hear? Well, as Toastmasters, we kind of want to know, well, what's the difference between a panel moderator and a Toastmaster and a speaker and an MC? What are some of the differences there, right? Because that would help you put things into perspective. Or what's the mindset of a moderator? How much should a moderator speak? Ever watch shows where the moderator speaks for 10 minutes and then the speaker speak for two? That doesn't make for a really great interview. So there's a little bit of a balance and those are the things that I wanted to know. So you want to ask for understanding. The other one I like, this one is kind of funny, is sometimes asking a very obvious question, you might get a very surprising answer. This lady, her name is Lily Wexu. She's an actor. She's also a voiceover actor. She's Canadian. She's trilingual, but she's based out of Los Angeles. I had asked her, why did you join Toastmasters? And she said, well, you know, it's a funny story. And you can listen to this podcast. It is on the Toastmasters podcast. It's, it's kind of a funny story. She said, I had a bout of acne. She had a bout of acne. And she said, well, I was okay to go out in public, right? I just put the makeup on. But you can't go in front of a camera, right? The bright lights, the high definition. And then she said, besides, my mother always wanted me to join. And I thought, well, I wanted to try to improve my skills. Everybody, it just goes to show that everybody needs Toastmasters. And I thought that was a very novel and very honest answer. I thought that was great. Okay, so we're looking at interview tips. Sometimes what will happen in the middle of the conversation, it will just go dead silence. You're not sure what to say. And again, you go back and you remember the audience. And one of the things that you can also refer to is just say, you know, for the benefit of our audience, could you tell us this? Always go back to the W5 and the H, right? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. If you ask those questions to yourself, then most likely you'll be able to come up with some sort of question. And it does happen. You end up going, okay, what do we do next? And sometimes it'll happen we were on an doing an interview with, uh, with Ryan. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, Greg, what do we talk about now? <laughs> we just started to laugh because <laughs> it was just dead silence. That's the benefit of not having a live recording. Then you can edit it. Other ways you can do is rephrase questions. So if someone is writing a new book, they're releasing a new book, or maybe perhaps they're doing a presentation, instead of saying, okay, well, what's the presentation about? Or what's your book about? You can ask them questions like, tell me a little bit about your book, or what can people expect? from your presentation? What are they going to leave with? What are the expectations? That's a little bit different than just saying, here's all the things that are going to be covered in the presentation. And as I've already mentioned a couple times, it's, it's okay to stop and regroup. This isn't, go this isn't going well. We need to start over. That happens sometimes. And I also like to try to make sure that I end with asking them to provide some kind of a thought for the audience or some piece of advice that they can take away. And sometimes those are real golden nuggets that makes the whole interview worthwhile. And also you want to make sure that you get, make sure you get that individual's contact information and also thanking them for, for taking the time. That can really make all the difference.
So that in a nutshell is sort of the interview recording question situation. Now we'll talk a little bit about recording. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you check your hardware and you do a mic check. Right? If, you're if you're using something that reuses batteries, make sure that the batteries are fresh. Make sure that the microphone is actually recording something. How often have you been in a situation where you were sure? A good friend of mine did a live, live recording with a very famous individual and the mic wasn't properly plugged in, didn't get a recording. You also want to do a sound check just to make sure. So that's why when you have that little preamble chit chat with the individual while you're talking, that's a good time to say, okay, let's just stop for a second, play it back and see if things are coming through okay. You need to get closer to the mic, further away from the mic, or you know, your coat is rubbing against the microphone. Get the best audio in one sitting. The importance of that is especially if you're in different locations. Like for those of you can hear right now, you hear the sound in the background. So if you change rooms or change locations or do it at different times of the day, your energy will be different, their energy will be different, the background noise will be different. You want to try to make it as, as consistent as, as possible. Redundant recordings. Case in point, in case one recording doesn't work, I'm recording here and I'm recording here. I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> Honestly, not on purpose this time. You don't always have an opportunity to get a redundant recording. When I'm recording, if I'm online with uh, Ryan or Bo, one of us will do the main recording, another one of us will do just a, a secondary recording just in case. Again, you want to do record noise. Record some dead space right at the beginning because you might be able to filter it out like that fan noise. If I record dead air, I might be able to filter some of that out. And in some, some programs, you could just you highlight that piece of dead air, sample filter, and then do all. And it could actually work. On the other hand, you've got to be careful because if the sounds that you're trying to filter out are on similar frequencies to you or your guest, it'll actually distort their voice. So it's a matter, it's a little bit of trial and error. And the other thing you want to do is, these days we live in stereo, quadraphonic, 360 sound. You want to try to record people on multiple tracks, typically left and right, one or two, because if people are talking over each other, which quite often happens in a conversation, if you're recording on separate tracks, you can move them, you can edit them. If you and I are having a conversation, and I'm recording on track A, and I'm recording you on track B, if at some point we're talking over each other, I can adjust the tracks, I can add a little space. Now, when you're recording on something like Skype, unfortunately, if you're recording through Skype and there's three people on the phone, two people are going to be on one track, and sometimes that happens. And so again, that's something that will alert the individual, say, okay, the two of you are on the same track, so see if you can try to avoid speaking over each other. And sometimes it's so bad that you can't, you need to take it out. And the problem is you might also end up losing a couple of minutes before and after, which is kind of sad. You can actually get started virtually for free if you want. There's software for PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. Audacity is a free program that you can use. I use that for doing a lot of my editing. GarageBand for the Mac. I finalized my podcast in GarageBand. I believe it's free on the Mac, very inexpensive for the iOS. And for recording on Skype, I use Ecamm Call Recorder, which is about $20. Call Recorder for PC, I believe, is actually free. I'm just going to show you just quickly a few different microphones. There's one that I have right here called the iRig Mic Lav. And what I really like about this particular one is it's fairly inexpensive. It's probably $50 or $60, but it's got an attachment right here so that you could plug in a headphone so you can monitor what's going through it, or you flick a switch on it and you could have two people recording together, which is great. The only downside is that you're recording on one track, but it works really well. And so I'm happy I've got this because obviously that, that didn't work. There's a couple of different mics, different mics you can have here. 
The nice thing about this mic is it's both USB and it's also got the standard audio input that you could have. The Go mic, it's so cute. Look at that little guy. Just under $100. And then that one there I don't have with me. That one you can actually clip on the top of your laptop. And it's designed so that the sound is focused, that it's there to take what you're, that what you're talking about, as opposed to everything that's, uh, that's all around. And then there's just a couple more. This is the one that I use for my podcast. It's called the, the Blue Yeti, and it weighs a ton. You don't really want to carry this around with you. The big benefit with this one is that you can also monitor, but it can also be set to record front, two people, and all around. So you can actually adjust the sound. So you could even put this in the middle of the room. And believe it or not, the most expensive is this one called the, the Raspberry, because it's got little leather on it. It's great, for, it's great for remote recording if you wanted to take it around with you. These are just some of the microphones that you can have. You can use the built-in microphone in the devices that you have, but once you hear a better sound compared to what the phone will give you, you'll probably not want to switch back. Quickly go to any questions. I have time for maybe one, one or two questions. How much, yes? How much preparation time do you have for each of your podcasts? I try to as much time as I can. <laughs> so you're talking about the room. Yeah. The room has to be... You want to try to make your room as silent as possible. Some people go to the extent of padding their rooms. What you might want to do is just try it in different places and see what it sounds like. I'm just going to leave you with this briefly, is that podcasting is something that can be really, really rewarding. Possibly monetized, but for me, it's really definitely taken my presentation skills and taken them seriously up a notch. It's a great learning experience. It's also a really good way to meet different people. It's fun. Every one of you in this room probably has a smartphone. Maybe one person might have a flip phone. You have an audio recording function on there. I encourage you to find someone today to talk to it. So my challenge for you is try to record something today. On that note, I thank you for your time. Yeah. Yes. This. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed our episode on podcasting. If you would like a copy of the slides that were used for this presentation, I encourage you to visit the main podcast page or the page at Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, wherever you found this podcast, and you can certainly download them. If you are also interested in hearing more about creating interesting podcast content, I encourage you to check out ToastmastersPodcast.com, episodes 157 and 158, where yours truly and my co-host Ryan Levesque talk about that particular subject. I want you to also look for other upcoming podcast-themed episodes here at Toastcaster and also at the Toastmasters podcast. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.